0: We've been studying through Hebrews the last uh, quarter since since the fall season started and we've kind of finished up Hebrews, but I kind of wanted to give a little bit of a wrap up because when, when Hebrews started, I remember thinking, wow, you know, like the only thing that really gets addressed is people who are in the Old Covenant. And I don't believe the old covenant. I believe the new covenant. So, you know, it doesn't talk about much sin other than the sin of disbelief. And I remember thinking, like, I don't even really know any, any Jews that follow the old covenant. What's what's this got to do with me? As we studied through, and then I kind of did some research, and I discovered that uh, maybe the the world in America we live in now looks a whole lot like the time when the author of Hebrews wrote the book of Hebrews. So I went on Pew, which if you don't know who Pew Research is, is they do studies of, like, everything on the planet, essentially. And uh, one of the things I wanted to know is, like, what do people in the U.S. believe about God now? And does that look a lot like the Old Covenant? And I kind of discovered through my Pew research that uh, 80% of all Americans believe in a God. Um, That is... Four out of five people that you talk to on the street and you say, hey, do you believe in God? They're going to give you the answer, yes, I believe in a God. Of those 80%, 56% of all Americans believe that the God of the Bible is the real God. So four out of five that you talk to say, yeah, I believe in God. And just over half of those people would say, yeah, I believe that the God of the Bible, that's the real God. And what I discovered that is interesting just because we're in a college town is that number of college students and younger, um, that number is actually significantly higher than 56%. Um, of those, though, those 80%, 56% say, I believe the God of the Bible, but 61% of those people say that God will judge us when we die based on what we did in life, whether we sinned or not, as a determination of whether or not we get to heaven. So that sounds like, to me, a whole lot like the old covenant world that we lived in. 61% of people say, whether I'm a good or a bad person, by the world's definition or by God's definition, will determine my eternal fate. A little bit more on the Pew Forum. 85%. Of God of the Bible, people who believe the Bible, uh, Americans believe that they are personally going to go to heaven, which is kind of sad when you think about it. There's 15 percent of people that says, "I believe in God, I believe the God of the Bible is real, and I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven or not because I'm not a great person." Uh, so it's kind of interesting 85 percent of people do, 10 percent of people are not sure. of Americans say, I believe the God of the Bible, and I believe because I'm not a good person. I'm not going to heaven. And then another kind of frightening statistic that I discovered is 60% of people who believe in the God of the Bible believe that both people who believe in Jesus and people who don't believe in Jesus will get to heaven as long as they're a good enough person. So we're looking through this. We've studied through Hebrews And I've come to the conclusion that Paul or whoever the author of Hebrews is who's making this argument to people of you're stuck in this old covenant of works and sacrifice in order to get you into heaven and the new covenant is better, applies today exactly the same way that it applied just under 2,000 years ago. And what's also kind of crazy about that is that's people who might be sitting here in this church right now. I, w- I would hope we're better than that bell curve of the, the 60% of, of Bible believers who think both Christians and non-Christians get to heaven. I would hope that we're better than the bell curve of the roughly you know 60% of people who think works is going to get me into heaven. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's true. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you all, and I don't know if you're a believer. I don't know if you're an unbeliever. If you are a believer, this is how I typically share the gospel to people who say, I believe the Bible. And if you're a non-believer, I'm, I'm kind of talking to you anyway, so make sure you pay attention. Um, I don't always recommend taking notes. I'm sure Matt stands up here every week. He probably never sees me writing stuff down or taking notes on the sermon. Um, But a lot of people who say, I don't share, I'm a believer, I understand the new covenant, I am a follower of the new covenant that we talk about in Hebrews, but I don't tell other people about it uh, because I don't know what to say. That's probably the number one answer. I'm afraid I will mess up, I will say the wrong thing, I will make God look bad, and so this is an opportunity. I'm just going to share a, a kind of a, a pathway, and we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, I always start 2 Timothy 3.16, and this is for me to, to know my audience and to know you all. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So my question to you is, is do you believe that? Do you believe the God of the Bible is real? If you do believe the God of the Bible is real, do you believe that it's inspired by God? And if it is, and you believe something that the Bible didn't say, it says here that it's profitable for rebuking and correcting. My question to you is if you believe that the Bible is God's word, but you believe something that was wrong, would you wanna know? I'd wanna know if I were wrong about something, our society is caught up in finding out if people are right or wrong. For example, we, we love to talk about court cases in the United States. I last year, two years ago, was sitting at home with my wife and I found out that Ford is, has re-released the Ford Bronco. My first thought was, wow, that's the coolest car I've ever seen in my life, I've gotta get that. But when you all heard Ford is bringing back the Ford Bronco What was your first thought, especially if you're over 30? O.J. Simpson. They got rid of a whole car line because of the O.J. Simpson trial and watching someone who may or may not have murdered someone driving down the interstate in it. That's the first thing anybody thinks of when they see a Bronco now, especially if you're over 30 and you remember it and you are alive for it. If you're under 30, something you may or not remember, if I bring up, hey, I'm going to go to the gas station and get Skittles and an Arizona iced tea, what do you think of when you think of Skittles and an Arizona iced tea? Maybe not as high profile as O.J. Simpson. Anybody know who Trayvon Martin is? Certainly a decade ago, that was a pretty big big trial. Uh, uh, A man or a a child who was coming, a man named Trayvon Martin was going to the gas station to get some Skittles and Arizona iced tea on his way home. uh, He was confronted by a man named George Zimmerman, and it turned into a huge trial of whether or not it was self-defense. How many of you all followed the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? Happened just last week, pretty high-profile thing. Um, what about, what is it, Ahmaud Arbery that also happened this week? Kind of two similar but different cases. And then there's another trial that's happening right now. I think her name's Lane Maxwell. Maybe you don't know that name, but how many of you have ever heard the phrase Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself? Pretty popular, pretty popular phrase. She was the right hand man of Jeffrey Epstein. So in America, we are obsessed with trials and determining who's right And who's wrong in an issue? And what's crazy is, thanks to a pandemic, we also talk about death more than any other time I can think of. There's a new variant in South Africa of COVID, and it sounds like an Elder Scrolls name, like some crazy name, Obsidian or something like that. But was that? Is that what it's called? Okay, maybe not as close to Elder Scrolls as I thought. But whether you die of COVID or a heart attack or whatever else, the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that you're going to die, and when that happens, you're going to face judgment. Hebrews 9, that's Hebrews that we just studied through. So my question to you as as a potential believer, potential not-believer, you're going to die, you're going to stand before God, and you're going to be judged. It says so in the Bible multiple times, but specifically in Hebrews 9.27, do you think you'll be found innocent or guilty? And if you remember, of those Bible believers, 85% of them think they're going to go to heaven, and roughly 60% of them think works is what's going to decide whether or not they go to heaven. So the odds are, if you go up to a stranger on the street, read Hebrews 9.27 to them, it says you're going to die, and then you're going to face judgment, where do you think you're going to go? Statistically speaking, they're going to say, I I think when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Um, And you ask them why? What's the number one answer you're probably going to hear? I think I'm a good person. I think my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, which is sad because the Bible basically says exclusively the opposite. And so you say, all right, and then if you were wrong, like we talked about in 2 Timothy 3.16, would you want to know? Let's have a trial similar to the Kyle Rittenhouse one we all followed, similar to the O.J. Simpson trial that all of us who are a little bit older followed, Would you be found innocent or guilty afterwards? So let's look at some laws. Exodus 20, 16. It says, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. That's kind of a fancy way, a false testimony. What does that sound like? A lie. How many of you have ever told a lie? Here's a lie I recently told. Uh, Good news is is the person who's here doesn't have to hear that I lied about them. Um, I went on a work trip a couple weeks ago. It was to to Las Vegas. It was a work trip. I wasn't there to gamble. And at the end, they said, hey, we're going to have an extra night to this work conference, and there's going to be a mystery concert after dinner. They didn't give us any details of who it was. Um, In my hopes, because I worked for Darden, it was going to be Post Malone because he goes to Olive Garden every week. And I'm like, hey, you know, maybe he'll be there. But it wasn't Post Malone. It ended up being Luke Bryan, which, I mean, ain't that cool to me. But it was cool because it was a private concert. But anyways, we have this huge dinner, and then they bring us all into this room, and we're standing there because everybody's standing there, regardless of what their taste in music is, because we don't know who this guy is that's going to come up is going to be. So there's no reason to leave until you know who the guy in this concert is going to be. And I had just eaten a very large dinner. And naturally, um, you know, you eat a large dinner, I had gas. And so I have to make a decision. I can stand here for two hours and try to hold my gas in until I know who the concert is, or I'm in this very large crowd of people, I can just let it go. That's what I chose to do, it was a poor decision. But luckily for me, a person who was in the bathroom already and was getting a drink and showed up late kind of squeezed through the crowd to find his friend right as I had passed gas. And a friend who was with me in the group looks at me like 30 seconds later like, it smells terrible in here. Do you, do you know? Like, what is that smell? And I looked at my friend and said, you know, I don't know, but that guy just walked up and now it smells bad. And everybody in the crowd assumed that guy farted. And it was me. And that was a lie I told. I haven't come clean about it. And that guy, literally everybody kind of backed up from him. And I kind of laughed like, I got away with it again, Brian. Which I'm pretty famous for lying about that. So boom. If I stood trial, like Hebrews 9.27 says, I am on trial for lying. Am I innocent or am I guilty? guilty? I'm guilty. If you go to trial for lying, are you going to be found innocent or guilty throughout your whole life? probably going to be guilty. Another one, do not murder. I feel a little better about this one. Uh, It's, I found an Exodus 2013. That was a typo, my apologies. It's exodus, not exodu. Do not murder. Sounds like I'm innocent. I have never murdered anyone, at least not falsely, murdered someone. Um, so, cool. Sounds like I'm innocent. If I get found on, on trial, am I going to be found innocent or guilty of murder? My initial impression is innocent, but let's see what the Bible has to say. Matthew five twenty one and 22. You have heard that it is said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Maybe you haven't murdered anyone, but you ever been really mad at someone and murdered them in your heart? Yeah, a few of us are, are willing to say that. that. That is true of me. I'm going to tell you a story of how I murdered someone. Uh, I won't leave names because this is a, a Longhorn story, and some of you worked here when this person worked here. He doesn't work for me anymore. Surprise. And didn't get along with this person. We, we had a tro- big troubles in the past with waste. One of the things if you run a restaurant that you spend every day thinking about is how do I increase sales and how do I reduce waste? Because those are the main things that determine profit. If you're throwing food in the trash or it's getting wasted and not sold, that limits your ability to profit. And we had a guy who I felt was highly responsible for our waste problem, not only because he was cooking food that wasn't even being rang in, but he was eating said food constantly. And drove me nuts. Sat down to talk to this guy with my boss at the time. And throughout the discussion, I bring up, we're wasting in that particular month that we set down, $10,000 worth of food was made and not sold and wasted. And that that's... That's a lot. Like in my refrigerator, if I throw out $30 worth of food, I'm upset about it. Imagine throwing away or not selling $10,000 worth of food. And throughout the discussion, he said, well, in my opinion, a hungry cook is a stupid cook. That's what he said to me. And in that moment, I murdered him in my heart. And he no longer works for me. And his mindset is, I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat. if you're a cook and you're handling all this food, you're hungry looking at food? You're stupid. That was his mindset, and that's the story of when I murdered him. So if I were to go on trial for murder, am I going to be found innocent or am I going to be found guilty, according to Matthew five 21? I'm guilty. Is it looking good for me in Hebrews 9, 27 right now? It's not. We had a guy who had five charges and ended up being found innocent of them. So far, I've presented two charges. I'm guilty of both of them. Let's look at a third one. Do not commit adultery. Cool. Haven't done that one either. Yay! Two out of three I'm innocent of. Well, let's see what Matthew has to say about it. Sorry. Coda wanted a shout-out anyways. I told him to make sure he's in charge of the slides, and if I forget to click something to make sure he keeps up with me. But the problem is we were both clicking at the same time, so we skipped through several slides. Uh, but anyways, Matthew 5:27 and 28 says, You have heard it said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So now you're telling me, not only can I not commit adultery, but I can't even think about a woman, or I'm also guilty of adultery. How many of you have ever heard of the term, the hierarchy of ethics? Annie kind of talked about it this morning, even if she didn't realize it. She said, I had a list of sins that I considered real bad, and I told myself not to cross them. I had a list of sins that weren't bad, and I let myself cross those. I don't know where you stand on the hierarchy of ethics, I'm not even certain where I stand, Uh, but I can tell you I'm smart enough to talk about a time that I've murdered and I've lied, and I'm also smart enough to not tell you about a time that I committed adultery in my heart, because my wife is sitting right there. Uh, But I'll just tell you, I would be found guilty of lusting after a woman and if you're a woman, you would probably be found guilty at some point of lusting after a man. Magic Mike had like $150 million in sales, and women like to act like only, only men lust, which is kind of crazy. Um, so now I'm three for three. I have sinned. I am found guilty. This idea, the 85% of Americans who think that works can get them into heaven, they think they're good enough. We have now stood trial. We've been found guilty says here that everyone has sinned. We are all guilty. And I didn't reference it today, but in Matthew, Jesus also says, if you committed one sin, you're guilty of all of them. So even if you've never lusted after anyone in your heart, if you've lied, guess what? You're, you're guilty of lust as well. So here's my question. If you stand trial and they give out a verdict and they find you guilty, what's the next thing that happens? You go to sentencing. Sentencing's next. So here's my question: I'm found guilty. What is the penalty to that guilt as found in the Bible? I'm guilty of everything, even if only one, it says here that the wages of sin is death. But in Hebrews it says, we're all going to die. So do you think they're talking about the literal earthly death? or Are they talking about something else? Are they referring to a different type of death? There's the sentencing: "I am guilty. And the wages of that guilt is death. And it goes on in more detail in Revelations 21.8. It says, the cowards, the unbelievers, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So I've told you guys I've murdered. I've told you guys that I've lusted and I'm sexually immoral. I've told you all that I've lied. You all have admitted to me that you've done the same thing. We've gone through trial. We've been found guilty. What's our punishment? To burn in a lake of fire which burns with fire and sulfur. That is the sentencing that we deserve. Um, But one thing I left out when we looked at Revelation 6.23 is I didn't read the whole verse. There's more to it than just that. It says here in Revelation 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is a wage, there is a sentencing, but there is a gift. And I have a gift. I've had a couple people ask me if the gift was for them today, and uh, no, it, it's not for anybody that asked me, but in, in the spirit of Christ's advent and looking forward to Christ's birth and three wise men somewhere in the first couple years of his life, not at the manger, brought him gifts. So in honor of that, I've got a gift for, for someone I consider a friend. Uh, so Jay, I bought you a gift. Will you come up and grab the gift? It's real. You're not going to open it up, and there'll be nothing inside. It's a real gift. You, can, you don't have to open it up here. Yeah, that'd be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that me and Jay like to talk about is he's a, he's a little bit of like a, an investor of strange items. Um, he's always talking to me like, hey, have you bought into Dogecoin? And hey, you're into Pokemon. I'm not necessarily into Pokemon, but I understand those cards go up in value. And so he likes to buy Pokemon and put them in his closet and wait for them to be worth more, and he likes to invest in weird things like Dogecoin. So I got you something. You can't open it. Just don't open it up here. That's what's awkward. I got him a gift that I feel like is appropriate for him, of both something he'll consider a gift and a strange investment. Um, I got him a Peyton Manning rookie year Card graded by PSA. And that's not worth much now, uh, but if you're a believer in strange investments, there's a Honus Wagner card, which is like a baseball card that when everybody was little, they put in their bicycle so it would make their bicycle sound like a motorbike. And that card's worth like $2 million now, and it was worth like 20 cents then. So my hope is, since he's into strange investments, that one day I've bought him a house for the low price of $12. So we'll see how it goes. <clears throat> that's a gift. Jay, did you do anything to earn that gift besides be my friend? No, he did nothing. What did he do to get the gift? You did have to do something. what I tell you to do? You have to come up here and grab it. If Jay doesn't come up here and grab the gift, does he get the gift? No, that's the requirement. That gift was it paid for by Jay. No, it wasn't paid for by Jay. Was it paid for by someone? Yes, I just told you I bought that card for like $12.50 on eBay. I did pay shipping. So if you want to give me a $20 gift sometime in the future, that's acceptable. (laughs) You don't have to give me anything, Jay. It It worked well for a sermon illustration. We need to understand when it talks about a gift, it is not free. It just was not paid for by you. It was paid for by someone else. And Romans goes on to talk more about how that gift was paid for. Romans 5 8, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have a sentencing. We're guilty of that sentencing. We've all talked about it. There is a punishment and that punishment is death. But there is a gift that was paid for by someone else. It was paid for because even though we were sinners, Christ took that sentencing and he took it away from that and he put it on himself. And he did that by dying on a cross. We love talking about Christmas. It's kind of a surprise because like the second Thanksgiving ends, you go and you turn on your car to go Black Friday shopping and all you hear is Christmas music. And we spend a whole month talking about Christ's birth, but it's his death that is the thing that changed eternity. And just keep that in mind. We celebrate his birth because he came to die. And how often, like, do you guys spend a month thinking about Black Friday? Or, sorry, Good Friday? I might spend a month thinking about Black Friday. But Good Friday, we spend no time thinking of. We like talking about little sweet baby Jesus, but not a grown-up Jesus who died on a cross. That gift has been paid for. It was paid for by Christ who took that sin and he died. But what is required of us? What was required of Jay? Got to come up and grab the gift, right? Jay, he came up and grabbed it. How do we accept this gift? Talks more on how to do that uh, in Romans. But first we need to understand how we can't accept the gift. We are saved by grace through faith. Not from yourself, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Can you earn the gift by being a good person and not sinning? I've already talked about how you suck. You know, you're a murderer, you're a liar, all of you are committing adultery every day, you're all terrible people just like me, and obviously our bad works are going to keep us out of heaven, but can our good works get us to heaven? No, that's even worse news. So even the good things I do, they don't matter, because it says you're not saved from works, it's by grace. But you can accept the gift by doing something pretty easy, walking up and grabbing a free gift. It says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation there's a gift it's been paid for it's not been paid for by you you just have to accept the gift all you have to do in order to accept the gift is do two things you have to confess with your mouth what does it mean to confess something if i go to lorna and i say babe i have to confess something to you what am i doing what was that Yeah, oh yeah, I'm taking a risk, (laughs) that's for sure. Uh, But I'm probably telling her something I've done wrong. That's what confession is. It is going up to someone you have wronged and confessing that. So I need to confess with my mouth to God and declare that he is Lord and that I'm not. And then I have to believe in my heart that he rose from the dead. So salvation is not done by your good works, Your bad works certainly separate you from heaven, but you cannot bridge that divide. Only someone who buys you a gift, pays for it themselves, and offers it to you can you then receive that gift. And the way that you receive it is you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and that is how you'll be saved. There is good news after that. So, say I do that. Say I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believed in my heart that he rose from the dead. And tomorrow I go and I lie again. Am I unsaved at that moment? Do I have to do the whole process again every day for the rest of my life? And heaven forbid, like I cut someone off in traffic and then I flip them the bird. And then one second later, another car hits me and I die. I died without confessing that sin to me. Am I guilty or am I innocent? Well, the good news is if you read Philippians, it says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Is it fair to say that if I accept the gift of salvation that Christ began a good work in me? Probably fair to say, right? When, how long is he going to carry that through? Till the day of completion, Until the day I meet Christ. So if I commit a sin tomorrow. I can rest assured, according to Philippians, that Christ has already began a good work in me. He will carry through that good work until the day of completion. Once you are saved, heaven forbid you sin again, which you're all going to do because you're terrible people just like me. It says here that Christ has began a good work in you. He will carry it through to the day of completion. So we've, we've stood trial. Do you guys feel like that is an accurate portrayal of what the new covenant is? We're guilty. Because of our guilt, we have to pay a price. That price, fortunately, was paid for by someone else. You receive that price as a gift that you don't pay for. You simply confess your sins to God. You believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. And then you have obtained that gift, and that gift cannot be taken away. Um, if you're living your life and you're believing something that is not this, um, I just pray that you would, you would consider Jesus, consider what the passages have to say and what Jesus has done for us. Um, if you're one of those people who say, you know, I, I believe in God, I believe in the new covenant, I've confessed my sins to God, certainly where you spend eternity is a big deal. It's probably something you're going to want to talk about. And if you don't tell other people about it because you're scared you'll say the wrong thing, I just pray that you would kind of commit these verses to memory uh, and use them as a way because the odds are if you talk to someone, they're going to say, yes, I believe in God. The odds are statistically if you talk to someone, they're going to say, I do believe the God of the Bible is real. They just need to be showed what that path is because a lot of people are going to die believing the wrong path, and that's really tragic in my opinion. I remember a few years ago that... uh, uh, the famous revivalist evangelist Billy Graham passed away and I was listening to the radio and all these people were saying, like, oh, he was a, he was a great person, did so many great works, led thousands to Christ. Certainly because of that, that man's going to get to heaven. And I remember thinking, like, yeah, he's going to get to heaven, but now I'm worried about whether or not you're going to get to heaven because it's, you think that's what's going to get him to heaven. Um, so I just pray that that you would consider Jesus, you'd consider what you've heard, and for those of you who believe you've got to tell other people about it because there's a majority of Americans who are walking around the wrong way thinking their works are going to get them to heaven, whether or not they're a good person or not is going to get them to heaven, Um, and whether or not they believe in Jesus is irrelevant as long as they're a good person. A lot, a lot of people are just like the people in Hebrews time that the author was going to trial with and explaining that to you. So that's my message for you all today. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll proceed from there. Dear Father, we just thank you that even though we are our sinners and we're guilty of everything under the sun and we're separated from you, and we're just thankful that you loved us so much that you were willing to die for us. Uh, that's something that I probably wouldn't be willing to do for someone who wronged me and I just thank you for your grace. Um, I just pray if there's anyone in this room who is walking down a path and believes that their works in, or what they do is going to get them into heaven, that you would expose their hearts to that. I just pray for those of us who have accepted Christ and do understand what the new covenant is. I just pray that, you know, we would have a zeal to share that to those around us because where we spend eternity is a big deal. God, uh, just bless us as, as we wrap up. In your name, amen.